you, Lydia. Welcome home, by the way. And Rachel, thank you, Daniela. Wonderful music. And thank you, Jesus, that we can come to you and we can find you sure and true and faithful. Would you join me in prayer as we prepare our hearts and minds to look to the Word of God? Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we bow to you and thank you for your loving kindness to us, for your goodness. We thank you, Jesus, that we can come to you no matter what we have in failure and sin, no matter what we have in sorrow and trouble. We can find refuge, forgiveness, and hope, peace and joy in you. You are good, and we give thanks to you this day for your loving kindness to us. As we now look to your word, as we seek to understand, as we seek to apply, I pray that your spirit would move among us, that your spirit would teach us, that your spirit would help us to understand and to apply. And Lord, I pray that we might, as your church, as your body, prosper. Prosper spiritually leaving the, all the rest of this temporal world in your hands. We pray now for your blessing in this time as we pray in your name. Amen. So we continue our series in the church covenant. We come to the covenant together where we covenant to promote this church's prosperity and spirituality. We covenant together to promote this church's prosperity and spirituality. In Bible Hour, we looked very specifically at the word prosper. And we learned that prosperity is tied to what road we're on. Are we on a good road? But we also learned that prosperity is tied to what is the end of the road. Not just the journey, but the end of the journey. And does that road we're on, is it a good road that leads to life, or is it a road that leads to darkness? There are many definitions and perspectives of prosperity in this world. But we learned this morning that prosperity, true prosperity, is being on the good road, carried along on the good road that leads to everlasting life. And so now this morning we take our Bibles, and if you would please take your Bible, your copy of God's Word, and turn with me to the third epistle of John. Near the back end of your New Testament, just before Jude and Revelation, the third epistle of John. This is a letter that is written personally by John to an elder whose name is Gaius a man well-beloved. And in his greeting of Gaius, John gives a wish. It's not just a wish of we think of as a birthday wish. It is a prayer. It is an earnest and sincere prayer for this man, Gaius. And may I submit to you that this is my prayer for our church for this body of Christ here in this place, the beloved here. Gaius was well-beloved. You are well-beloved. And this is my prayer for you. 3 John 2. 
Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. You see, as a church, we covenant together to promote our prosperity and spirituality. The two go together. For those who have great prosperity without spirituality are desperately poor. True prosperity begins first in our lives spiritually. Now, what do I mean by spiritual? I heard just this week the story of a young person who has a pet ghost. A pet ghost. That's a little troubling to me. What does that mean? Well, that's not the kind of spirituality that we're talking about here. We're not talking about spiritism and having connections or relationships with ghosts or spirits, angels or demons. We're talking about a relationship with God who is spirit. The everlasting, eternal God who is spirit. When we speak of our spirituality, we are speaking of our spirit our life, our relationship with him. Just so you know, relationships with demons or angels or any other spirits are a danger and a threat to your relationship to God, the one true God. How do we prosper in our spirit? And how will that impact our health and all other aspects of our prosperity? We must, first of all, have a right relationship with God. We must know Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. One of the Greek words translated as prosper, not here in 3 John, but in other places, the idea of prosperity, well, here, actually, it does carry the idea of a road or a path, a way, a journey. Prosperity is a journey, and it's, the question is, is that journey a journey to life or to death? Is that a journey in light or is that a journey in darkness? What path are we on? What path are we on? That's what will determine our prosperity. We just barely mentioned it earlier this morning in Bible Hour, but one key piece of prosperity is being on the right path. And we know who the right path is, don't we? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. To get on the right path is to get into Jesus. And we are put into Jesus when we believe that he died for our sins, was buried, and rose again. We are put into him the right way. The way to the Father. The way of life. And it's only then when we will begin to truly prosper. Imagine for a moment if you considered and reflected upon your life and your relationship with Jesus, your relationship with Him and God. What would it be like, what would your, it be like if all of your other prosperity were tied to how your relationship with Jesus is? Just imagine for a moment how rich and how strong your relationship with Jesus is if this prayer were to come true. 
if indeed we were to wish to pray above all things that our prosperity physically and materially and in our health were that of the richness of our relationship with Jesus. Oh, how much may we seek to know Jesus more and may we develop our relationship with him. For Gaius, it was true. This man whom this letter was written to, this wish was given to, this kind of prosperity was real in his soul. For John writes, For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. Do you see the path being walked on, the path of truth? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And here now, John is writing to Gaius, rejoicing that he has heard that Gaius is walking in the path of truth. That is the path of prosperity. The path of prosperity is the path of truth. And then John declares, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Here John is writing to a man well-beloved, a man beloved, wishing to him that he would prosper materially and in his health as his soul prosper, prospers. And then he goes on to explain to him, declare to him how he rejoices greatly to hear that his soul is prospering. Why? Because he is walking in the path of truth. His spiritual life is growing and rich and true. We don't have time to go into it this morning, but as the letter continues, we find out that this Gaius not only was one who was prospering in his own soul as one walking in the truth, but he was using what he had to further along others in their journey, which is what we need to be doing. We need to be furthering along others, bringing them forward on their journey after a godly sort this needs to be our goal too. That's why we as a church covenant together to promote this churches, not the building, this churches, us people in prosperity and spirituality. Oftentimes, especially we as Americans, have this idea and perspective that prosperity is tied to materialism, material things. And it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. True prosperity is about what road we're on in our spirits, in our souls, and how we know our God. For a moment with me, can you go back in time? Just for a moment, where you're seated right now, if you were to go back 93 years you'd find yourself in 1930. In 1930, there was no building here. None of these houses were here. There was no shopping center over here. There was no Navarre Middle School. There was no Washington High School. There wasn't even a Harrison Elementary School. There was nothing on this side of town. It was nothing but cornfields. But boy, in 1930, was South Bend growing. South Bend was expanding west. I wonder how many of you know where Dundee Street is. Some of you, only those of you who live in the city. Dundee Street, you have to go a little ways that away. A little bit over by, you all know where Harrison Elementary School is? Well, 
back in 1930, South Bend was expanding west and they were building homes. Just take a drive down Ford Street or down Two. Two was just a simple little country road that went on out west, Western Avenue. There was very little on Western Avenue. But the city was expanding west. They were building homes and building communities and building schools. There was another church in the community who saw people, people moving west. Not far west, just south bend west. And they were burdened for their spirituality. And there was one lady whose name was Mary Stewart. Mary Stewart talked with her pastor and was burdened to reach the people who were moving into the new communities on the far west side of South Bend and was burdened that the gospel reached those people. Ninety-three years ago, this past Thursday, there was a Sunday school that started. On just a little empty lot, as far as I'm aware, it's empty. There's a house there now, but then I believe it was empty. Right on Dundee Street, Mary Stewart set up a tent and held the first Sunday school class for the families on the west side of South Bend. Now, keep in mind, this is going way back to a time that we can't even imagine. This is going back to a time like when my grandmother, who lived out where my parents live on the south side of Mishawaka, near where the 20 bypass was, and it was considered far too long of a distance to drive into town. This was a time when you would go into town and you would board in downtown Mishawaka. You would board in town because that commute would just, you just wouldn't do that commute. Nowadays, we think nothing of commuting that distance and 10 times that distance all the time. But in that day, you didn't just do commutes like that. In fact, when this building, well, I'm getting ahead of the story, but people didn't like travel across the town. There was a need for a church, a ministry, a mission on the far west side of the expanding South Bend. And so Mary Stewart had this vision, and with the blessing of her pastor, she started a Sunday school class that met in a tent so often, people think of the church as a building. Just yesterday, there were two people that came knocking on the door here, and um, I answered the door, and they asked if they could come in and look around. I thought, well, that's a strange request, but since somebody else was here with me at the time, I said, sure, come on in. I thought this would be a great opportunity to share the gospel. So I brought them in here, and they looked at the auditorium, and it was whatever satisfied their curiosity, and I did have the opportunity to share the gospel with them. But so often people have begun to think of church as a building. Church is not a building. Church is people, the body of Christ. This is not Mary Stewart. This is actually Sue Friel's aunt. Is that correct? Her aunt and a little Sunday school class she has over on Dundee Street. For all of you that are part of Harrison Elementary School, you do know Harrison is a brand new 2003 school. If you look in the background of this picture, you see the 1930s brand new Harrison Elementary School, which has now been totally demolished and is gone. Buildings come and go. That little Sunday school class grew into something that was called the Bellevue Community Mission. And here you can see a picture of that mission. It began as a Sunday school class that Mary Stewart 
began to teach. It developed into a mission, and after 14 years, it was established as a church when they called their first pastor. It was named in the beginning Stuart Memorial Church in honor of that one lady who had a vision for the people on that far west side of South Bend. You know some of the people that were part of that early mission. Some of you know this. This is, this is Sue Friel's mother, Joyce Friel. If it weren't for the Bellevue Community Mission, Sue wouldn't be here because you know how her parents met? They met at the Bellevue Community Mission. That's how they came together in this mission that was established to reach the far west side of South Bend. And it grew and it became a church. This was their first building. The building still exists over there on Dundee Street. May I give you a little perspective of our mission now here today, almost 100 years later? Do you know what that building is used for today? It is a mosque. It is a mosque. We think of missions to the Muslim people as going across and around the world, but it's right here in our own neighborhood, even in our history. I love how the church is described as a building. Here you can see a group of those men in the early church who came together to build this building. As far as I'm aware, this is the largest structure in the city of South Bend to be built 100% with volunteer labor. As a group of men from the church built this structure. You might think the building is growing in wealth. In fact, we had our quarterly business meeting, what was it, last week? And our treasury, that's what Miss Friel, who used to, for her mother, used to be a longtime treasurer of our church. She used to always refer to the bank accounts as the treasury. And she used to say, I've never seen the treasury numbers so high. Our treasury numbers are so high. We have prospered greatly. And as we think back to the humble beginnings of this church, they met in a tent. It's not about the meeting place. It's not about the treasury. Prosperity is in the heart. Mary Stewart had a prosperity flowing from her heart in a vision to reach the people on the far west side of South Bend. You, here together today, do we continue in that same good path of prosperity? Do we continue in prosperity? Take your Bibles and turn with me over to Revelation chapter 3. What is our name? In the beginning, it was just a Sunday school class that grew into the Bellevue Community Mission that became the Stuart Memorial Baptist Church and then became Fellowship Baptist Church of South Bend. But I wonder, if we were to look at the letters to the churches in the first century, what is our name? There were several different churches in different regions, and Jesus Christ wrote them, the angel of each church, 
the messenger of each church, perhaps the pastor of each church, a letter. And I'd like to bring your attention to the last one. Because in the last one, Jesus speaks to a very prosperous church. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 14. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. A wealthy, prosperous church. Jesus continues, middle of verse 17. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Here we see presented for us a church that has promoted its prosperity materially without promoting its prosperity spiritually. They did have riches and wealth and had need of nothing materially, but they were destitute and poor and wretched and blind and naked spiritually. We concede the fact that our church is wealthy materially, as are many churches in America. Would we be able to say that we are just as wealthy spiritually? Is our prosperity only in material things, or is our prosperity in spiritual things? What would we look like if on the material side we prospered as our soul prospered? What would we look like? Praise Jesus, he doesn't leave this church without good counsel. Verse 18, Jesus says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes, which are blind, with eye slap, that thou mayest see 
Why does he give this counsel? Jesus, he says in verse 19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Have a change of mind. Turn your way about. Bring forth fruits of repentance. Zealous means to be on fire. He wants them to be hot. They're neither hot nor cold. They're lukewarm rich, but destitute. And he counsels them to buy of me gold. Buy of him and be clothed of his white raiment. What is all of this? How do they get this? Well, I believe that the end of verse 19 is the end of the letter to Laodicea, and then comes a summary of all the letters to all of the churches. And here is key. Jesus writes, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and I will sup with him and he with me. Brothers and sisters, the gold and the white raiment and the eye slab ointment is Jesus himself. And he is standing at the door of your heart. This is the believer's heart. This isn't the unbeliever. This is the believer knocking. He wants to come in. He wants to have fellowship with us. He wants to pour out into our souls gold. He wants to anoint our eyes. Will we buy it of him? You may wonder, how much does it cost? It's free. Just open the door. It's a door of faith, belief in him, confident expectation that he can give to us gold and he can clothe us in white raiment and he can heal our blind eyes so that our soul can prosper. Will we open the door to Jesus and let him take absolute and full control of our lives? That's what it means to be spiritually rich, is to be abiding in Jesus and he abiding in us. And John 15 speaks of his words abiding in us. This is the prosperity gospel. You might have heard of the prosperity gospel. Why, if you do all these good things or have faith, that God will pour his riches of materialism upon you. That ain't the right kind of prosperity gospel. There's no guarantee of that. What there is a guarantee is, is that when you have faith in Jesus and you open the door up to him, he will fill your soul and your heart and your spirit with such riches you can't even begin to imagine it. And you can move forward in the richness of him. And why is the problem with the prosperity, quote-unquote, gospel such a problem? Is turned back to one of the other letters, back in chapter 2 of Revelation. For Jesus wrote another letter to the angel of the church of Smyrna. Look with me at, at Revelation chapter 2 and verse 8. 
We saw the church of Laodicea. Rich is prosperous, but destitute, wretched, blind, and naked spiritually. Look what he writes to the church at Smyrna. These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. Praise Jesus, he's alive. I know thy works, he says, and tribulation and poverty. The church at Smyrna was a highly persecuted church, cruelly mistreated by the world, those around, horrifically treated by the religious sects of the Jews. Their goods had been spoiled and taken and robbed, scattered and lost. They were poor, suffering tribulation, but they had works, good works. For look what he says in this little parenthetical phrase when he identifies them, saying he knows their poverty. Do you see what it says? Jesus writes to them and he says, I know thy poverty. And then in parentheses, he writes, but thou art rich. Do you see what's described here? You see a church that has had all of their material goods stripped from them. It is gone. They have nothing. And yet these people, unlike the church at Laodicea, are rich. Why? Because their soul is prosperous. He goes on to speak of what he knows about them. Oh, the peace that comes by knowing that God knows us, Jesus knows us. He says, And I know the blasphemy of them that say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan, those persecuting them terribly. Verse 10, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried. And ye shall have tribulation ten days. Many believe these ten days are a specific period of a time of trial and testing. There were ten days of testing. It's a testing time, a tribulation of ten days of testing. And what is the command? Be thou faithful unto death. Be faithful unto death. Though you'll be cast into prison and even murdered. Now, how many of you think that sounds like prosperity? Doesn't sound like prosperity to me. But Jesus says these are those who are rich and those that are faithful unto death. And what does he say at the end of verse 10? And I will give thee a crown of life. Do you see the road, the path of prosperity is not about material goods. It is about our relationship with God it is how we are spiritually. Spiritually. These at the church of Smyrna had great riches spiritually, though materially they were in poverty. And they were on the right road, the road that ended in death from the human earthly perspective resulted from the eternal perspective in a crown of life. A crown of life. You see, it's about the end. 
What road are you on? What road are you on? What path are you on? Are you in the path of fellowship with Jesus? Are you feasting and fellowshipping with him? Oh, this morning, will you heed the counsel of Jesus to buy of him gold and white raiment? Will you let him change your life? This passage of prosperity echoes an Old Testament passage of Isaiah 55. We don't have time to exegete the Old Testament passage, but I would like for you to turn back there and for us to read it and make some observations. The very first word in Isaiah 55 is ho! (laughs) I think that's a good word for this topic of what path are you on? What path am I on? Am I on a path that's running outside of Jesus? That doesn't make any sense. I'm in Jesus. How wide I why would I be walking in in death, in darkness? If I examine my path in light of the word of God and the prompting and convicting of the Holy Spirit and I find I'm in darkness and not in fellowship with light with Jesus. Ho! Oh! Stop! Hold up! Don't keep going on that path! We're like sheep, so easily gone astray to our own way. Do we go in the way of the one who gave his life for us? Follow with me, Isaiah 55. Ho! Everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore, do ye spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Does this sound like the church of Laodicea? Does this sound like you or me? What is the solution? Hearken diligently unto me. There's the key phrase, by the way. To God. He says, hearken diligently unto me and eat ye that which is good and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Do you see the soul prospering? As it hearkens to the source of life. Verse 3, incline your ear and come unto me. Hear and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Behold, I have given him for a witness to the people, a leader and commander to the people. Behold, thou shalt call a nation that thou knowest not, and nations that know not thee shall run unto thee because of the Lord thy God, and for the Holy One of Israel, for he hath glorified thee. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. 
Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way. Remember this morning in Bible hour, we learned that the word prosper comes from the Greek, which speaks of a way, a journey, a path. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. For God speaking says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth the bud, and it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. The water comes down, not for nothing, but to bring about a harvest. So, he says in verse 11, shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. God's word is life. It is bread. And he says, so my word be that goeth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, he says, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I send it. For ye shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree, and it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Now, there's a lot in this chapter. We could preach a whole series through this chapter. But my, did you catch the significance of the way of God. He has revealed his way through his word, and he has given to us his Holy Spirit to lead us in all truth. He has said that his word does not go forth void. Did you see what he said? It will prosper unto the purposes that he accomplishes it. If we open the door, Will we open the door to the eternal word and let his word come in and fill us and prosper in our soul? So let us as a church, first and foremost, consider ourselves. Are we as the church of Laodicea, rich but wretched? If so, ho! Open the door to Jesus. Buy of him gold and raiment and let him anoint your eyes. Open the door to him that he may come in and fellowship with you. Open the door to him that he may come in in his spirit with his word and wash you clean and teach you the perfect way of the Lord. Then may you you prosper even as your soul prospers. Do we covenant together as a church to promote this church's prosperity? Prosperity of the soul.
God speaks all through the Psalms, all through the Old Testament and New Testament, that he is the one that teaches the good way. He is the one from whom is wisdom and knowledge and understanding and the fear of the Lord. He teaches a good way. And the good way is the prosperous way. Do we let him teach us through his word? Samuel spoke, as we mentioned earlier this morning, that God forbid that he would be one who would not teach the people the ways of righteousness. Do we go forth and encourage one another in teaching one another the ways of righteousness, the ways of true soul, spiritual prosperity? This morning we talked a little bit about the billboards you see all around. What are they there for? They're to promote a bunch of stuff. Most of the stuff they're promoting are material things. Sometimes they promote experiences to make you feel good about something for a time. Are you and I the spiritual billboards known and read of all men? When people see us, do they see us breaking forth with joy? I mean, you see here, the passage here describing, building here, of these people who need to buy in Isaiah 55, who are thirsty and, and, and hungry and needing these things, it ends with saying that the trees themselves are celebrating and clapping their hands. It's one of my favorite things this summer is to go out and listen to the trees clap their hands. The rustling of those leaves, that's what this is. That's, that, this is. This is what I think it is. It's them trees praising their creator, clapping their hands. If the trees are doing it, what are we doing? Do we have the joy of the Lord flowing forth from our lips, from our countenance? Do we have prosperity of soul? Because if we do, it will break forth in praise to our God, regardless of our material wealth. Regardless of our material wealth. So if you would turn back with me to 3 John. Beloved, beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Are you bringing joy to your Savior? To those who have taught you the ways of life, 
when they hear, either in this life or the life to come, do they hear that you are walking in the truth, walking in Jesus. Open the door. Abide with him. Be filled with his spirit. Gracious God, Lord Jesus, you are rich and you desire to open the treasuries of heaven, the treasuries of your grace, and pour it out upon us. Soften our hearts that we might always be standing ready to open the door. In fact, may the door never be closed. But may we moment by moment, day by day, every day, be abiding in you and your words abiding in us, that we might be prosperous, prosperous in bringing forth much fruit for the glory of our Heavenly Father. Dear Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move among our midst here today, that you would reprove, rebuke, correct as needed, specifically in places only you can, that we as a church together, together, might have sweet fellowship with you. We need you, Lord Jesus. We need you, dear Spirit of God. We love you, Heavenly Father. We love you because you first loved us and poured your love out upon us. May we walk in your love as we walk in your good and perfect way. We need you and we commit ourselves to you. I pray this morning for those who haven't believed in you, who haven't been put into you, Lord Jesus that today they would receive life by believing in you. And I pray for each one of us who have believed in you, who are in you, that we would faithfully, sincerely walk in you by faith, that we might go forth from this place with your praises on our lips, that others may see and know us as yours. We commit ourselves now as we pray in your name. Amen.